With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace, now in the month of July. And boy, getting closer and closer. We're inside of two months, aren't we, Steve? As of Sunday, the first college football game was 56 days away. Wow. Camps open up for pretty much every team in the Big Ten, July 30th or 31st. Media days, Big Ten media days are probably within 20, 23 and a half weeks. Yeah. July 23rd and 24th. Yes. How about them apples? Here we go. All right. Let's uh, let's jump in. Um, Interesting topic erupted. That might be a little bit strong. Interesting. Interesting topic popped up on Twitter (laughs) this this weekend. Some Um, people erupted. Some some people people did. did. Some people did. Some people experienced a rupture. Uh, the NCAA's annual or the USA Today's annual post on NCAA finances via athletic departments was released this last week for 2016 2017. And it's always kind of fun to dive in and look and see, you know, who's on top, who's not doing well, what, how your school's doing, how your school's doing in the conference, et cetera, et cetera. This podcast, obviously, we're talking about Iowa. And the Hawkeyes ranked, what was it, fifth in the Big Ten? Texas is number one overall at $214 million for the athletic department. Texas A&M is second at 211. Then Ohio State, is, this is a precipitous drop-off, 185 to Ohio State. Now, I think Texas A&M's included a – because the difference between their revenues and expenses, I think that's a ton of money coming in for donations for their yep. um, their their building expansion. So Ohio State's at 185. Then Michigan's fourth at 185. And, oh, my gosh, of course, Ohio State and Michigan are only, what, very little apart, uh, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, at three and four. Then Bama, then Georgia. You know those two schools are like monitoring. Oh, of course they are. Expenditures. You know yeah, that. Just like they are for yeah. capacity and all those yes. things. Yes. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, LSU, and Auburn round out the top ten. And number ten is 147 million. LSU and Auburn both have 147. Then Tennessee, then Oregon, Florida State, Penn State's at 14 at 144. Wisconsin's at 15 at 143, and then South Carolina, Kentucky, and then Iowa is at 18 at 130. That's pretty, you know, the top, Iowa's been in the top 25 of this list for a long time. The numbers, of course, are growing exponentially. I mean, I'd have to go back, Steve, and look at some of the old things I wrote, but I, I swear as recently as five or six years ago, Iowa's number was down around 85 million. Uh, or something like that. Maybe it was a little longer than the five or six years ago, but it's just insane how these numbers are going up, and they're going to go up even more here probably next year or the year after that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. First glance, and then we're going to dive in a little bit more, generally speaking. Um, let's just let's let's focus in on Iowa for this discussion. When you see Iowa sitting at eighteen, who's ahead of them? Who's behind them? What were your initial thoughts on this? My initial thought when I read through this study, and I sent you an email right away, is 
um, you as Iowa fans should be getting more for this level of revenue. And that was my initial instinct. And then I told you, you know what, let me let me do a comparison and see what the actual yeah, because I emailed are. you back and said more what exactly because I and would... I meant overall athletic department success. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I decided. If I was going to fight you, if I was going to fight you, I want to make sure what I was fighting you for. Exactly. And I and, and that's also when I when you said that is when I thought, well, if we're going to fight, let me make sure I actually <laughs> might have a, a leg to stand on. So then you did some research. <laughs> so I decided to do some research. Okay. So, I mean, the last time last time we came to the table about perception, you did a 27 minute itemization of NBA factoids <laughs> on LeBron J. And I thought, you know, I better I better research this first. Okay. Dude's got so, dude's got a bear gun in there. I don't right. want it pointed at me. I, I was wondering if you were. I was getting lured into a clouds, <laughs> a turkey shoot here. That's so crazy. Okay? Yeah. And uh, I thought, let me do some research. And so what I did is I took teams 15 to 25 on this list, and those are the teams that are I would I think are reasonably in Iowa's peer group. Let's go: Wisconsin, South Carolina, Kentucky, Iowa, Arkansas, Washington, Michigan State, Louisville, Nebraska, and Mississippi, and one more, which would be Minnesota. Okay, Minnesota. And I, I thought that way, you know, comparing Iowa to what Ohio State's doing, it just doesn't make any sense. No. So you compare them, or comparing them to what teams way below them are doing doesn't make any sense. So you want the right, so you compare them to their peer group. And I broke this down by football wins, men's basketball wins, because those are your two revenue sports everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then whether you made the men's basketball tourney, whether you made the women's basketball tourney, um, total conference titles you won during this academic year for all sports offered by your recognized by your league, Mm -hmm. total national championships won, where you finished in the director's cup standings, which measures your all sports performance. And then I threw in electoral college votes. And the reason I did that is it was the pithiest way to demographically compare states, right? Because mm-hmm. other, than, other than every state gets two votes for a U.S. senator, the rest of electoral college votes are proportioned by your population. And that would, I thought, give us, in the amount of time I was willing to spend on this, frankly, um, which was about an hour, that would give us at least a snapshot to, to gauge Iowa's performance. And... When I looked at this, all right, Iowa's football wins in this this last year, counting a bowl game, mm-hmm. were eight. Okay, um, Kentucky, Arkansas, Minnesota, and Old Miss and Nebraska had fewer. So they're kind of above average in football wins in their peer group. Not at the top, not at the bottom. Not either, even in the middle, but above average in their peer group for football wins. Mm-hmm. Men's basketball wins, they're one of the worst. Perfor- they are, I think, actually, yeah, second worst. O- only Ole Miss had fewer wins uh, for the revenue their athletic department is generating. So men's basketball was at the bottom. Men's, they didn't make the men's basketball tournament. Only three of these schools did. Arkansas, Kentucky, and Michigan State. Uh, they did make the women's tournament. Michigan State uh, did not. Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota made the women's tournament. South Carolina made the women's tournament. Louisville, Nebraska, and Iowa. None of these schools made both the men's and the women's tournament hmm. this last academic year. Total conference titles. Iowa is one of only two schools on this list. Nebraska is the other. To win no conference championships 
uh, in sports that are sanctioned by the conference in this just concluded academic year. Um, several of them only won one. A few won two. Arkansas, ha- uh, Minnesota actually has won three. Arkansas had the best performance. They'd won four. National championships, this entire group of teams combined, only has one national championship in this concluded academic year. It was Kentucky in rifling. And yes, there's a, there's a joke there, but it's so easy, we'll just let it go, okay? Um, Director's Cup finish. Iowa's Director's Cup finish was the worst of all of these teams at 54th. What I found interesting is Michigan State's was the second worst at 50th, but since they were really good in the two sports that matter most to people by, you know, a 10 to 1 margin, mm-hmm. no one really even pays attention to that. Right. Okay. But Iowa finished 54th in the Director's Cup standings. The every one, the there were only three of these teams that finished higher or worse than 38th. Nebraska at 44th, Michigan State at 50th, Iowa at 54th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these schools actually finished in the top 30 overall in the Directors' Cup standings. And then when you looked at electoral college votes, uh, Nebraska is the smallest state. Iowa is tied with uh, Arkansas and um, Kentucky uh, at next at six electoral college votes. And Mississippi. Votes. And Mississippi, thank you. But the largest state on here was Washington, the state of Washington with 12. So most of these are between five and 10 electoral college votes. So, they're, so their overall demographics aren't that dissimilar, uh, except Michigan's and, and, and wa- the state of Washington's are a little, is a little bit bigger than everybody else. So when I took a look at this table, I, I, it wasn't overall as bad as I thought when I looked at the numbers. It's still, in my view, underperforming. I went and looked at ADs with Gary Barta's tenure at publicly funded universities. And I don't believe you can find, I had one guy on Twitter send me 10 schools whose athletic departments have performed worse than Iowa. He goes, well, what about all these schools? I wrote back to him, all those ADs are gone. Or some of those schools have actually changed. Some of those schools have changed ADs twice since Barta has been at Iowa. Now, let me bring in a side angle to this. Last summer, the university's athletic department went through an embarrassing lawsuit on the kind of issue with the kind of minority group that even before you get to a trial, I, I and I think you would agree with me on this, at probably about 98% of public universities, if you're even accused, if you're even accused of discriminatory practices against this kind of minority group, you're fired as an AD. We're not even going to trial. We're settling out of court, you're fired. They went to trial, lost. Embarrassing details come out. I would submit, and I don't think you disagree with me, at 98% of athletic departments, because of the politics of this particular group and the status they have in today's political hierarchy, you would be done as an AD at 98% of publicly funded universities in America on that story alone, on that story alone. So let's take that story and set that all aside like it never happened. 
And just looking at this, Iowa fans, in my view, given the tenure of the AD and the resources he has at his disposal, are getting the the lowest bang for their buck from their athletic administration and athletic department of any Power Five athletic department. And I'm not an Iowa fan. I've told you this and I've said this for years on this podcast. Unless there's a moral issue, I don't think, and I used to say this on KXNO, unless there's a moral issue, I don't think if I'm not a paying fan, it's my place to tell a paying fan base what expectations they should have and whether they should fire their coach. I am so tired. I just listened to this on Saturday. I listened to a national show where the guy was going off about Harbaugh and he invited people to call in, Michigan fans. First Michigan fan calls in and talks about how far the program has come under Jim in three years. He let, he let them talk, lets him go, and then proceeds to lecture him that he actually knows better what Michigan fans want than this guy does, okay? I freaking hate that crap. So it's not my place to tell you, if you're happy with this, cool. I'm just the weather guy, you know? It's like we just had all this flooding in Iowa. If you live in Beaverdale, you know you're gonna need some flooding insurance, some flooding precautions. And then you just have to decide, you think the area of Beaverdale is pretty enough and worthwhile to you that you're willing to put up with that inherent risk. So if you're an Iowa fan and you're okay with this, I'm not gonna argue with you. What is not arguable though, is you're getting at at the very least one of, if not the worst bang for your buck, considering the tenure of the AD, the stability he's largely had, and the resources he is bringing in. Whether you guys think that's acceptable to you or not is up to you, probably for you guys to talk amongst yourselves. I'm just looking at what the actual numbers are. All right, that's a lot uh, a lot to chew on. And I'm not saying that um, I think it's those are all sound opinions. I don't know what the number percentage is for the issue that we're talking about that we're going to leave over to the right. So let's just leave it over to the right for this conversation. All right. Do you agree with me, though? In general, you are not allowed to cross that line politically. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. For sure. So whether the number is 78%, yeah, yeah. 88%, we no both doubt. agree it's high. I, I'm, I'm okay. surprised, especially in Iowa City, I'm surprised he survived that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I, I think the reason that he survived is the person in question had such a horrible reputation uh, just as an individual and dealing with multiple departments that that's why he survived. But at any rate, I, I want to say this. I am not going to sit here and pee down your back and tell you it's raining. That is one of our rules on this podcast or any of our broadcasting times together. We don't do that. We don't pee on you and tell you it's raining. So I don't care that the Iowa women's tennis team may suck. Don't know if they do or not. I don't care if the soccer team isn't good. The only reason I care about women's crew is I think it's an incredibly horrific financial drain on of resources for something that really doesn't matter all that much but at least iowa girls oftentimes get the scholarships field hockey to me is dude who cares if you're great i don't friends and family do and if if you're one of the rare non-friends and family or have friends of friends and family who are on that particular pro uh, in those particular sports uh that cares okay you're one of the four that does and that's fine i'm not telling you what you should cheer for how you should spend your leisure time, none of that. This isn't, I'm not pointing you out. I'm just saying most people don't care, 
okay? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to me, I'd just as soon give all those scholarships in field hockey to kids from the state of Iowa and suck because most Iowa high schools. I believe that for years. If we're going to do Title IX, fine. Then keep those scholarships at home to Iowa kids and let them go there. These are non-revenue sports. No one cares what competition level they obtain. If If this is really about opportunities, then why are Iowa taxpayers and boosters footing the bill to give a, a rowing scholarship to somebody from Uzbekistan when there's somebody at Cedar Rapids that that could could get that scholarship will likely stay at home after being educated, no doubt. Reinvest back in the community, and no one cares if she's if, if the rowing team with her on it won one game or six. Correct. No one cares. Agree wholeheartedly. Um, so I, most people don't care about any of those things. I've been doing this since 1999, okay? I'll tell you what most Iowa fans care about. Not that I speak for them, but in my position and what I've done, I think I'm right. They care about football. They care about men's basketball. They care about wrestling to a lesser degree than basketball, a much lesser degree, but the wrestling community is incredibly knowledgeable and passionate, and it's certainly a large enough contingent where they could almost scratch even. And I think you know, there's a decent size that cares about women's basketball, and there's a growing interest in Iowa baseball because of the hire of Rick Heller and what he's mm-hmm. done. I've reached the end of the give-a-damn list of 95% of Iowa fans, in my opinion. Okay? And I think the attendance figures and the donation figures would back all that up. Heck, it may be 98%. We've reached the end of that. So I guess what I'm saying... In fairness to Gary, I don't care that those other sports suck because I don't care about those other sports, really. I don't personally. I'm glad that there's kids that are out playing it. More power to them. Great if you're mom and dad. Not, I'm not berating your kid. I'm glad it's there. All for it. I just don't care. And neither do most people. So I'm not going to judge Gary on something that I don't care about and I don't think Iowa fans care about either that I know that they don't care about either. I don't know that that's really all that fair. Maybe it is, but to me, it isn't. So I'd narrow the scope down to football, basketball, men's basketball, and, you know, gosh, I guess women's basketball and baseball and wrestling, but it's really, to me, the two big sports. It's the two big, the two primary sports at most schools, with very few exceptions, like Connecticut women's basketball, Tennessee women's basketball, heck, Iowa State women's basketball, for that matter. Um, you know, Wisconsin hockey or Minnesota hockey, they, they have very good numbers there, but those type of things are outliers, and there's not enough of a sampling across the board to connect them. So it's really football and basketball. And how's Iowa doing there? Well, prior to Gary Barta's arrival, I can't remember what it was. Was it 06, somewhere in there, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa men's basketball from 1979 until the end of the Tom Davis era, they made the NCAA tournament three out of every four years. Three out of every four. Bob Bowlesby hired Steve Alford, who made it to three NCAA tournaments in eight years. Um, Oh, two times only were they automatic bids, and one of those instances where they were an automatic bid, he was the head of the selection committee, and that team probably didn't deserve to be in. So we all can agree that Alford's tenure at Iowa performed. They were seven and nine in the Big Ten that year. You're yeah, talking about. yeah, yeah. Perform- and, and he managed to get Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa all bubble teams 
all three got at-large bids the year Bob ran the committee. Purely, that, that purely coincidental. Point. Purely coincidental. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that the Steve Alford era was that's not three out of four NCAA's. That's, you know, if we're going to compare it against the Dr. Tom Davis era and the Lou Olson era and the George Raveling era that encompassed those years, we need to talk about at-large bids. And that was just 25% versus 75% in the previous 20 years. What about Todd Licklider? Don't need to say any more than just his name. What about Fran McCaffrey? He's now in there seven years or eight years. It's either seven or eight. And I always made it into three tournaments as at-large selections. So better than offered. Much better than McCaffrey, but still not even at a 50% rate. So to me, if you're not getting in at a minimum of 50%, but I think it should be more like three out of every five and six out of every 10 into the NCAA tournament or be in a position to be an at-large selection. If you're not doing that, and with football likely in today's day and age, and given the resources that this program has, probably an eight and four needs needs to be your line. Eight and an eight and an eight win season rather an eight win football season needs to be your line. They did that last year. I think they did that the year before. They got twelve wins the year before that, and so by and large, I'm okay with football. But Gary didn't hire him. Gary did hire Fran, and you know last year was very disappointing. But Gary's most important role, in my opinion, at a school like Iowa's, given the uh, electoral college angle that you brought in one of the smaller states, is fundraising and raising money and managing that. Now, I think he's done a good job, but Bob Bowlesby did a good job too. I don't have statistics in front of me that tells me Gary Barta has done a better job at raising funds than did Bob Bowlesby. My hunch is, and this is probably unfair to say, is it's probably similar because the same pool of people by and large likely carry 80 percent of the weight as it relates to giving money now, those people are all getting older so we'll see uh probably you know seeing an ongoing turnover in the age of donors and and who knows how that's going but per capita iowa's always done a good job of that and i think that's largely part in part due to the iowa fans and their passion and you know what if we were up if we were at an iowa rubber chicken uh speaking event the people from the um the division uh, of the athletic department that raises funds, they say that. We can't do this without people like you. You guys are the reasons why we're so successful. So if they're going to say it, I'm just going to echo it. I think a lot of people would be in that position and would be able to raise significant amounts of money within a margin of error that's acceptable, whomever the AD is. What about the Big Ten Network TV money? About Gary Barta didn't really have anything to do with that. I mean, he was an AD when the Big Ten Network was formed, but this was at the presidential level. That's where the first approval was. And, and Gary doesn't have really anything to do with the TV negotiations. That's done at the network level. That's owned 51% by the Big Ten and 49% by Fox, or what used to be Fox. So I don't know that any athletic director in the Big Ten can get credit for that. So really, when I look at these things, football's solid. He has been there. He has helped raise funds for capital campaigns. He's navigated those waters. I'm going to give him some credit for that. He's done the same with some Carver-Hawkeye Arena upgrades. But he's got a nice little coffer of Big Ten Network money. Um, And the football program, I think, has carried its weight. 
the basketball program. I think they're performing beneath where they should be on an average year-in-year-out basis, and hopefully they get bounced back towards that direction. The women's basketball program has been doing a good job. The wrestling program is beneath where wrestling fans want it, but I think a lot of people are coming to grips with the fact that, you know what, Iowa doesn't corner the market on um, all-time greats, and Kale Sanderson is an all-time great. And I also think they stretch the limits over there a little bit. We'll leave it at that. But Kale Sanderson is arguably the greatest amateur wrestler ever to don a singlet. And he's putting together a coaching career that at this juncture has only been eclipsed by Dan Gable. And Kale's got a lot more left in him. In probably the most fertile recruiting state for wrestling that exists in this country, the state of Pennsylvania. And I know some Iowa fans won't like that, but... Telling you, you know, you listen. Just be honest with me. You know, it's it's true. It's not that Iowa sucks. There's just more people in Pennsylvania. It's a matter of demographics. But this Iowa wrestling team that's coming back this year is probably the most the the team that is maybe the most dangerous for scoring that they've had since they won their last title in what was it, 2010 or 2011. And the baseball program's coming up. So I probably would give Gary Barta a C. And I don't know what more I expect. I think basketball needs to be more significant, and Fran McCaffrey's his hire. So was Todd Licklider. That was a failure. C minus? But I don't. I, I think a lot of things in these athletic departments, and I may be wrong about this, I think a lot of these things, Steve, are on a little bit of autopilot. Go in. Don't get lawsuits against you. So that's, I mean, you, we can set that to the side, but that's a pretty big demerit. You know, go in and and make sure your programs aren't being run uh, by rogues, by people like that are down in the in Baylor. So I'll give Gary uh, uh, extra credit points for presiding over a very clean program. And I'm not saying that flippantly. That's very important. It's very important. Uh, win, graduate and do it right. Right. That's what that's what the slogan was. Yeah, so th- those things are not throwaway things, even though we had some fun with it at that time, only because the timing of that slogan is the reason why we didn't like it at the time. You know, you, you throw things out like that when, you know, you're in a, a better season of life, not when they were at that juncture when the football team was coming off a four win season or something like that. Or maybe it was after 14. I can't recall. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What surprised me about the react some of the, about the reaction I received and I did not get a lot of reaction so I want to stipulate that I also want to stipulate this what's a lot you got like 15 or 20 replies of that true I, and uh, you know I don't know I guess in some in, I, I I don't think those 15 to 20 I, I don't want to pretend those replies you're right that's a decent a number but I don't think that's a scientific sample well there was a lot of replies that if you would have said the sky was blue they would have come at you correct correct I'm not doing daily sports talk radio, so I'm not as dialed in or as connected to Iowa fans as I was at 10 years ago when I was doing this full time. Okay. So, so with all those disclaimers out there and, and cause you're going to tweet at me later and I'm going to remind you, <laughs> I just said this first, like the guy who told me, you know, I didn't understand the logic when I pointed out Jamie Pollard is 50th in revenue and 56th in the Director's Cup standings. Iowa is 18th and 54th. That's a pretty huge gulf in terms of who's doing much what with less. Mm-hmm. The guy said, well, Iowa State has fewer sports. I'm like, well, that means they could they have fewer points they can score. 
they're, they're not, they, that gives them fewer opportunities to score points. Your argument actually is reinforcing yeah. my it point. Wasn't his be- it wasn't his best tweet. No. But that notwithstanding, what I was surprised by, as someone that spent many weekdays in my life, at another time in my life, talking to the jihadic wing of your fan base, trying to use reason to convince them they're probably not as good or infallible as they think they are. I was very surprised to see the amount of people who either didn't care or seemed to think um, things are great. Like I had one guy say to me, well, what are you talking about? We're a perennial top 25 football team. So I went and looked. Since 2010, Iowa has finished in the AP top 25 once, uh, three times since 2006. So... Um, I don't know where this perennial top 20. I mean, there's a lot of teams during the course of a year that are ranked in the top 25. Okay. But it really comes down to where you're ranked at the end of the year, right? Once all the evidence is in. And the undefeated team, the 12 and 0 team, was the, was the only time since 2010 uh, that Iowa has finished in the top 25 of the AP poll. Mm. I looked it up. And only three times since 2005, the only three times since the 2005 team has Iowa done it. Yeah, and Iowa, Iowa ranks 43rd amongst all FBS teams since 2010 in winning percentage. So 43 yeah. is a little bit ways away from 25. Yeah, so I, 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 was, I, I was surprised last summer that Barta survived this. because Did he, mean, like, did not, he mean triennial, tri, triennially? Tri, triennially, like every three years or top 25? I, I don't know. He said perennial, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, now, I am connected to the political world every day, so I'm very aware of – you know, there's an old saying, if you want to know who your lord, who your rulers are, overlords are, find out who you're not allowed to offend. OK. And uh, Barta offended one of the overlords. So I was shocked, shocked to see not only did he survive, there didn't seem to be really a kind of a uprising of people are like, what an embarrassment. We can't have this, yada, yada, yada. Then you throw in this overall performance. So Again, I'm going to ask you, and I and and I don't know the answer, and I'm okay with whatever your answer is because you're the Iowa fan and I'm not. But as someone that spent ten years of my life dealing with over-the-top expectations by a segment of your fan base, self-awareness not necessarily a strength by a segment of your fan base, to run into, nah, nah, who cares? <laughs> I, I was blown away by this. Now, maybe I'm just not as connected to Iowa fans as I used to be because I don't do this full time. Or maybe and, a lot of them muted. Maybe, okay they, maybe they've muted you by now. I don't know. And, and that, that's possible, too. I'm not that relevant in the Iowa sports media scene. I'm not. I get that. I'm not doing this full time anymore. So I shouldn't be. But I, I, I just I've never had a conversation before in my entire career where I had to tell where I was arguing with Iowa fans that they should be expecting more. This was the first time I've ever had this argument, and I found it unsettling. So I don't know. I don't want to make too much of it. It's just the people that interacted with me, by and large, seemed to be perfectly fine with how things were going. And we're like, nah, who cares? So I was like, okay. I mean, if you don't care, I don't care. I just, I, you have to, you, you were there all those years. I mean, I, I did this show a lot, you know? Fire everybody after every loss. How many sound offs did you do? Everybody's fired. Everyone fire the water boy. Fire them all. Everybody's gone. Fire them. 104 sound offs. Yes. So uh, to run into, yeah, we don't care that we lost an embarrassing lawsuit and our athletic director really hasn't 
done a, had a notable accomplishment in terms of anything sports-wise we care about since he took over, other than giving Kirk Ferentz the most lopsided contract in the history of college football. Not but once, whatever. but twice. Not once, but twice, but whatever. So, I, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I think I, I just didn't anticipate that because I've never seen that in my, in my time interacting with Iowa. Well, that, that's apathy, right? Is that I apathy? Guess. Yeah. And it could also be, again, I'm not relevant to a lot of Iowa fans as I used to be because I don't do this every day. And I didn't run into the typical, yeah, you're right, we need to do more crowd. I might have run into, you know, the people who also follow me because of what I do in my day job. And maybe they're a little bit more patient. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to draw any sweeping conclusions. Right. Other than it's the first time Iowa fans ever argue with me that their expectations were too high. I've never, right. I've yeah. never run into that. Well, you've never, you know, you've, you've never chosen that side of the, uh, the fighting lines, for one. Uh, for two... So are you saying they, there's a, these people just don't like me and they just want to argue against whatever side I take, which I'm totally okay I with, think, and I, I think there's some truth I, to I that. I think there's a, number of that, there's a number of people like that on Twitter... I, but yeah. I, you know, as far as the the not being relevant, I'm, I'm not like saying going to prop you up here. But if you if people didn't care what you had to say about sports anymore, uh, Iowa sports anymore, then this podcast during eight or nine months of the year wouldn't drop as one of the five most listened to college or high school sports podcasts in the world. It wouldn't. When I say world, I'm talking iTunes which mm-hmm. is the largest podcast delivery uh, mechanism and therefore uh, measurable metric system that we have to measure these things. But the Hawkeye Nation podcast does. Now, there are a number of Hawkeye podcasts that regularly drop in the top 50. So Iowa fans are just, you know, they're fanatics. But, you know, why, why is this one the most listened to? Well, I, it, I think people have enjoyed us being on the air together in other times of our careers, and that certainly helped us build an audience. But I, and I think the dynamic of us two together is probably entertaining at some times, hopefully, because as, I think you and I are entertained by it. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be doing it all these years. Sure. So sure. I have a hard time believing that the answer to the question is you're no longer relevant and people don't seek your opinions anymore because I think the evidence is there to suggest otherwise. I actually do think that it's eh, not a fan of Gary Barta. Um, this doesn't really rile me up at this particular point in time. Uh, hopefully things don't go any worse because I could probably be moved to the bad side of the needle much more quickly and easily than the good side of the needle. And that's why I said again, I, what what's an athletic director in the Big Ten's role? What's their edict? Don't mm-hmm. screw up and don't embarrass us. That's it. You know, don't screw this up and don't have your programs out harboring pedophiles and hiding hor- horrific human beings from us. Just don't be stupid. Mm. That's about it. You're right. And yet we've had two of the three worst uh, don't be stupid moral scandals in recent college sports history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here yeah. in the Big Ten. Yeah. So the AD at Michigan State, he resigned. Mm-hmm. So what, what did he say? So healing could begin? Yep. Something like that? Yeah. Um, and the uh, Michigan, they're the Penn State athletic director, he's in the poke right now, right? Yeah. Oh, right. the school president. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. So I'm, I'm circling back around. Don't be dumb. And just 
keep keep the checks coming in. Cash the check. Don't be dumb and let the checks come in. And graduate, maybe. So that that's that's their job. Now it's it's boiled down, and I'm sure if Gary listened to this, he would be offended at that. And I, I am not trying to offend Gary. I, I like Gary. I do. Gary's a very nice guy. I don't know anybody that doesn't like him, matter of fact. Um, I've probably been more unfair to him than uh, I have any right to be with some of my commentary through the years. But I just, I I don't do this anymore to to play handsy. I just think a number of people at Iowa, probably Nebraska. um, But, but, you know, their last athletic director was kind of dumb. He said dumb things. Yep. And he's you know, gone. Yeah. D- so don't don't be don't be dumb in the sense not only of scandal, but don't be dumb in saying we don't want to play the on Black Friday anymore. Don't be dumb and say things like well, we had to evaluate where Iowa was in this. Don't be dumb. Just don't. And you know what, Gary, to his credit, he does not misspeak publicly. He's very measured and cautious with his words, and there's nothing wrong with that. So by and large. Gary's avoided the dumbness with the exception of not keeping detailed enough records and paper trails with regards to his commentaries and interactions with Jane Meyer. That's that would be the one thing. And apparently the people at the university, a university, mind you, that we both would agree were probably surprised Gary didn't get let go just because um, the people in the athletic department didn't feel a need to fire him there. So that speaks enough to me, actually, that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go any farther on that. So don't be dumb and stay out of the way of the money train. Now, Steve, the money train, there's only going to be more of that coming in. What did you say that Michigan uh, – tell me that number you, that you came up with with some Michigan folks. Ward Manuel, Michigan's AD, gave his end of the academic year briefing, fiscal year briefing, to Michigan's Board of Regents last week. And Michigan is projecting for 2017-2018 uh, $52 million dividend from the Big Ten Conference. And what are they now, 35 36 Yes. Okay, so we're talking about another $15, 16 $17 million per year coming in. You add $17 million to Iowa's 137 that puts them at 147 That puts them inside the top 10 presently um, with the, where those numbers are. So... Should we expect to put a bow on this, maybe? If, if you're generating top 10, top 20 numbers, should that automatically mean that you're generating top 10 or top 20 performance in a director's cup that people really don't care about? Maybe. I think, I, I think that here's the thing. You know, I used to say this back in the day about Jim Kreiner, the old Iowa State football coach. You can cheat and you can suck. You can't cheat and suck, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You can cheat and you can suck, but or suck, but you can't cheat and suck. You can't go on probation for going four and seven in right. 1984. All right. If you're gonna do it, do it like Mississippi. That's right. Okay. Um, here's the thing: Iowa does. It doesn't matter if Iowa is 54th or 84th in the Directors Cup. If football's median win number is eight to ten which I think is a realistic expectation given the Ferentz era. And basketball is routinely a first division team in the Big Ten and uh, and three out of four years is in the NCAA tournament and or one of the last four bubble teams in or out. 
okay? Mm -hmm. What you can't do is be 54th in the Director's Cup and those things don't happen, all right? That's the thing, okay? Mm -hmm. So you can either be Michigan State, who's second to worst in the Director's Cup amongst amongst that revenue peer group, but because they've got two Hall of Fame coaches at basketball and football, nobody cares. You can do that, okay? I mean, you talk about Iowa wrestling. Michigan State hockey is one of the proud programs in the history of the sport. They've been a non-entity since Ron Mason retired. But no one's talking even about that at Michigan State as long as the football and basketball programs are great. So that goes to what you were saying earlier. You can do that or you can do Minnesota. You can have three Big Ten titles. You can be competitive across the board. And if you're an athletic director and your basketball program is you still don't know if you hired the right coach, the football program has to reinvent itself. You can sell yourself on, trust me on the football and basketball coaches I hired, because look at our overall athletic department performance. I have an eye for coaching talent. Gary Barta doesn't have either one of those narratives right now. So it's got to be one or the other. Or that just tells me, again, I'm just looking at it from the outside, not enough people care anymore, which I never would have thought. Never. I mean, I made a career out of picking fights with Iowa fans, stuff I really believed in, but I knew I could always rely on Iowa fans to show up to a fight if I wanted to have one. They would show up. I I, I cannot believe we are at a time that Iowa fans have just sort of decided, eh, whatever. Okay, all right then, I guess. Cool, you know? But if 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 you've got all these podcasting numbers of all these Iowa podcasts, that tells me per capita there's still a lot of passion there why it doesn't go into expectations for the overall athletic department. Now, that's a whole other podcast, and I don't know the answer to that. Nor do I. Almost time to go here, Steve, but before we do, um, just want to say a few words about uh, a mutual friend of ours, a former coworker of both of ours. Uh, this weekend, the floods that took place in central Iowa killed uh, 65-year-old Larry Kotler. Uh, Kotler and company on KXNO in the mornings. Um, Dason, uh, Miller and Dace in the morning came after Kotler and company. Uh, then Larry did middays over on 1700. I first heard Larry Kotler back in, I think it was the 1990s. When yeah, I, Sports Fan Radio yeah, Network. Yeah, Sports Fan Radio Network. Um, listen to him and Papa Joe Chevalier. And yeah. that's that's really when I got introduced to the medium. And Barney Spanier and all yeah, those guys. Lo- I yeah, I loved it. That that was an amazing lineup of talent. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, here I am just a 24, 25-year-old driving around with my T-top Camaro thinking, man, I'd love to do that someday. And Larry Kotler was on there. And then I uh, got a chance to work with Larry. And, you know, I, I think at times and when we were on our radio show sometimes, I, th- I you know, it's a very uh, testosterone-filled environment. Uh, a radio station is, uh, especially talk show hosts, especially sports talk show hosts. We're very competitive by nature, which probably is why we got to that point in the first place. And so we would throw barbs back and forth. But at the end of the day, we were all very respectful of one another. Larry Kotler is one of the nicest, most genuine, kind people I ever met. I mean, dude, just always chipper, always, uh, almost always happy, and uh, just an all-around nice guy. And it was, it was great to see this weekend the, the, those sorts of sentiments coming in all over from across the country. But my goodness, that's just so sad and just pass along prayers to his wife, Deb, and, and their son. Um, just a horrific tragedy. 
I, uh, you know, I worked with Larry every day um, for several years, and uh, he anchored Morning Drive on KXNO. Hey, he sat right behind us. Drive, yes. And um, just when I found out Sunday morning before church, you know, Amy and I were sitting here watching all the coverage of, and you know, a mutual friend of you and I's who's a cop in Ankeny was describing it, was texting me. He's like, this is like a scene out of Mad Max, what he was watching. And Amy and I are watching this, and they and KCCI breaks in with the story that somebody's lost their lives, something happened, they got washed away, lost their footing, uh, and were found later, they had drowned. People are like, how do you drown in a rainstorm? Guys, we got, some of the parts of Des Moines got 10 inches of snow, or, or 10 inches of rain in an hour and a half, unlike anything I've ever seen, okay? And, um, we found out the next morning before church, I saw Keith Murphy had tweeted that Larry was who had lost their lives. And I just, I was just absolutely stunned. I'd not uh, seen Larry in several years because we're in different circles now, but um, there's a reason why you, uh, people in our audience have probably seen so many people come out and talk about him never having a bad word to say about anyone. And, you mentioned sports talk radio can be a testosterone-driven environment. That certainly was the case for me. Um, it was I was really relatively new in my faith at that time in my life. Um, you think I'm rough around the edges now? I was far more confrontational back then. Uh, he had dramatically different political and sports views than I had on most days, and yet there was never a moment I felt uncomfortable around him. He just was just an impossible, a human being that was impossible not to like and earnestly looked for the best in people. And I know that can be a cliche. That's hard to do. And a lot of times people, present company included, don't always give you reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I just... Um, I, I, I'm, my heart's broken for his family. I had not heard his name in quite a while. I, I still have a monthly poker game here at my house with some old friends of ours. And one of my, one of our guys had talked about that, you know, he had had, Larry kind of had a spiritual awakening late in life and they were having some interesting conversations and stuff about that. And then not two weeks later, this tragedy happens. So uh, prayers for his loved ones and, um, you know, I, when right before I had moved over to WHO, you know, him and I were, he had confided to me. He was going through some difficult times with his, fa his family at that time and some personal issues. And I certainly hope those things have ironed themselves out. And just a great guy, man. He loved Des Moines and he loved sports and um, he loved people. And those three things, you know, the more confrontational and provocative, uh, the better. Typically in sports talk radio, it's hard to be successful in that genre and be a people person. And God bless him. He managed to do it. He did. He did indeed. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.